What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners of the Latin American History Podcast. I'm Nick Mashinsky, a big fan of the show and host of A History of the Inca, a history podcast covering the origin, rise, and eventual fall of the largest pre-Columbian empire in the Americas. As Max gets ready to discuss the Spanish conquest of the Inca Empire, now might be a good time for you to revisit the Inca to learn more about them. Now, Max did a great job early in the podcast discussing the Inca. However, when covering all of Latin America like he is, it is impossible to cover every possible detail. That is where a history of the Inca comes in. We discuss precursors to the Inca like the Moche, Nazca, Wari, and Tiwanaku, cover the origin myths of the Inca, as well as the latest archaeological theories on how they rose from just another highland group into the largest empire in pre-Columbian America. An episode dedicated completely to Machu Picchu was recently released, and currently we are on campaign with Tupac Inca Yupanqui as he expands the Inca Empire over the Andes and along the western coast of South America. So if you are a fan of Latin American history, then A History of the Inca is a podcast I know you'll enjoy. And now, here's Max. Welcome to the Latin American History Podcast, episode 57, Northwards Again. The last few episodes have looked at Spanish activity in the far south of the Americas. As we saw though, this exploration happened basically by accident. It was an unplanned offshoot of the search for the Pacific. This end of the continent was still a remote and distant wilderness, far from the already established colonies. When ambitious conquistadors looked to set up in new lands, of course this was not 
where they were generally looking. They wanted to colonise lands much closer to the pre-existing Spanish world. The heart of this world was the islands of the Caribbean. Hispaniola, Cuba, Jamaica and Puerto Rico. There was one large, and as yet almost untouched by Europeans, landmass right next door. This is, of course, Florida and the southeast of the USA. This episode and the next tell the story of two attempts to explore and colonise there. Both of them were disastrous. I've decided to call this episode Northwoods again, because you might remember, way back in episode 34, we looked at the attempts of Ponce de Leon to explore and colonise Florida. He undertook two expeditions, the second being in 1521, and this one resulting in his death at the hands of the Calusa people. De Leon was the man who had royal assent, meaning that the other conquistadors could only attempt to exploit Florida illegally. With his death, this barrier was taken away, and the area was now open for colonisation by whoever could put an expedition together. The first man who found himself able to do so was Lucas Vasquez de Ayon. Although we haven't come across him yet, Ayon was one of the most prominent Spaniards in the Caribbean. He was born in Toledo in around 1480, and his family were well known there. Interestingly, they had originally been a Mozarab family. That is, they had been European Christians, living under the Muslim Arabs before the Reconquista took place. Ayon went over to Hispaniola with Avando. In 1504, he was made mayor of the town of Concepcion, today known as La Vega. He governed for about five years before he was summoned to Spain to face charges of corruption. The details of the charges are unclear, but he managed to get himself cleared. While he was there, he decided to undertake some study. He enrolled in the University of Salamanca, and earned himself a degree in law. It seems that he came into contact with King Ferdinand, and that the king took a liking to him. This was the era when Diego Colón, Christopher Columbus's son, was trying to assert rights to the New World, arguing that they had been promised solely to his father. Colón was, at this point, the governor of the Indies, and the monarchs were worried that his family were gaining undue influence. Ferdinand sent Ion back to the Caribbean to represent him. You might remember that he set up an institution called Naudencia and sent three judges there to control it. Ion was one of these judges. Over the next few years, he became a leading figure. He got married. He owned plantations and he became a slaver. Soon, though, his patron would die. With the death of King Ferdinand, there was a new investigation into him, and he was removed from his political role for three years. 
Again, this didn't last long, and soon the new king was asking for his help. Cortes had set off for Mexico, and of course, this had drawn the ire of Velázquez. Ayon was sent first to Cuba, and then to Mexico, to meet with the two men, and try and mediate an agreement. He stopped in Cuba and spoke to Velázquez, but when he reached Mexico, Cortes was in no mood to talk. He had Ayon detained, and sent back to Hispaniola. In 1521, Ayon set out to the Bahamas. His intention was to capture indigenous people and enslave them. This was a fairly common event at the time, and when he got there, he found there simply weren't enough people left. The Bahamas is, of course, not far off the mainland of today's United States, so he set off to what would become South Carolina, and got his slaves from there instead. This put an idea into his head, and he asked the king for permission to colonise North America. In 1525, with that permission granted, he sent a man named Quejo to look for a suitable site for a colony. Quejo took with him two ships and 60 men. He probably landed at the Savannah River, which today forms the border between South Carolina and Georgia. From here he went north, but it's not clear how far he went. On Quejo's return, Ayon decided to launch a bigger expedition. He went into debt to finance it, and in July 1526 he left with 600 to 700 people. He landed at Winya Bay, but here his ship hit a sandbank and sank. Much of the supplies were lost. He ordered his men to set about building a replacement ship, and tried to start a settlement. The soil here was too infertile though, so he moved 200 miles to the south. The town he tried to set up was called San Miguel de Gualdalpe, and it was the first European settlement in today's United States. It wouldn't last long, however. Hunger, disease, and raids from the indigenous people made it difficult for them to survive. They had brought with them African slaves, and soon they were rebelling. This shows that slavery and resistance to it was part of the United States of America's history from the very beginning, even if that beginning long predated British colonisation there. It wasn't long before Ion himself died. This caused a dispute about what to do next. One group, led by the new leader, a man named Francisco Gomez, wanted to stay, but another faction, led by a man called Ginez Doncel, wanted to leave. They gained the upper hand when they managed to arrest Gomez. Everything got a bit Lord of the Flies, as the Spanish started to turn on each other. One group went to demand supplies from a nearby indigenous village, and the population there refused. When the Spanish tried to take the supplies by force, it turned into a fight, and the men who had gone there were killed. 
Then the African slaves burnt Doncel's house down and freed Gomez. Doncel was arrested, and the survivors decided to leave. The whole thing lasted less than three months. Only 150 men made it back, and today the exact location of the settlement is unknown. Ayon wasn't the only person at the time looking to colonise North America. The second expedition was led by a man we already know. You might remember Panfilo de Narvaez, the man sent by Velázquez with an army to stop Cortés in Mexico. When we left him, he had been defeated by Cortés and was imprisoned at Veracruz. Of course, we know what happened next with Cortés. He successfully defeated the Aztec and established himself in Mexico. Narvaez was imprisoned for two years before Cortés decided to send him back to Spain. What he did there was unclear, but the king obviously didn't look too harshly on him, especially considering the legality of Cortés's mission had been questionable. By 1527, about six or seven years later, he was given the rights to launch an expedition to Florida. While he was given the rights, he wasn't given the money. It was up to him to raise this himself. Luckily, the success of Cortes in Mexico had created a queue of investors who were looking for new expeditions to fund and to profit from. Narvaez managed to win some of these over and secure enough backing to launch his trip. The king wanted to keep an eye on things, so he stipulated that the second-in-command must be a man he chose. The man he chose was Alvar Núñez Cabeza de Vaca. Cabeza de Vaca was born in the southern Spanish city of Jerez in around 1490. He came from a minor noble family, and his grandfather had fought in North Africa and the Canary Islands, later becoming governor there. Spain, of course, had interests in Italy at this time, and Cabeza de Vaca distinguished himself fighting there against the French. He gained further respect from the crown for fighting as a loyalist in the revolt of the Comuneros. In total, there were between 450 and 600 men, depending on which source you read. They set off from Andalusia, on June the 17th, 1527, heading first for the Canary Islands, then the Caribbean, and finally onto the Gulf Coast of Florida. They had hardly left Spain, though, before things started going wrong. The story of the survivors of the Narvaez expedition is a pretty incredible one, but it's too long to try and cram into this episode. Next time, then, we will see what happened to the Narvaez expedition. You've been listening to the Latin American History Podcast, written and recorded by Max Sargent. For more information, visit the website www.maxargent.com slash the history of Latin America. And that's spelt M A X. Mm-hmm.
S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to get in contact at historyoflatinamericapodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching for the Latin American History Podcast. The Twitter handle is at HistoryLatinAM. And if you've liked the show, you can help out by leaving a review on iTunes. Alternatively, if you visit the website, you'll see that each episode is accompanied by relevant photos. Most of these are my own, taken during my time in Latin America. All these photos and more are available to purchase as prints at my Etsy shop. You can find this at www.etsy.com slash photo. That's spelt www.etsy.com slash M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T photo. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.